Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Most entrepreneurs are experts in their fields, but struggle when it comes to the complexities involved in scaling their business. In fact, less than half of these businesses survive more than five years. As a business transformation coach, Jeff Chastain has worked with business leaders and their leadership teams for the past 15 years. This work focuses on two goals. First, to help them gain clarity in the business, and second, to help them get more of what they want out of their business. By leveraging his own experiences as well as the tools and resources created by incredible minds in the entrepreneurial space, Jeff coaches his clients through a spaced learning process designed to help them see benefits immediately while establishing a long-term cadence for predictable and stable growth. So today we're going to really talk about the cadence necessary to grow your business. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. No problem. I'm super excited. A lot of our listeners are, you know, those businesses that are in that growth space and, you know, they, they struggle with knowing how to keep up with that growth, but, and we're going to jump into that. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit about your experience before you jumped into coaching, understanding technology. Yeah, it is actually, I I grew up technology. I, I was back in the date myself too much back in the days programming with uh, green screens and blinking cursors and stuff like that long before we had the the graphical interfaces. But yeah, so I I grew up programming, grew up technology, uh, spent a a time in corporate America. And of course, what we all all do when we leave corporate America is we go form our own consulting company. So I transitioned out of that after a few years, really doing CTO consulting for uh, fractional CTO work for companies, all sizes, large and small kind of a thing. Just because, again, that was my background and it was it was fun sitting there working with all the latest technologies and helping companies honestly leverage the, the productivity enhancements, the performance enhancements, stuff like that, that technology can bring when when implemented correctly. So it's it's ideas that uh, I forget. I was actually talking with somebody on, on my own podcast the other day that was talking about, yeah, in the she grew up working on a farm. It's like, okay, yeah, on the farm, you put more hours in, you get more work done. It's, it's all based based on time and and effort you put in. But from an entrepreneurial kind of business standpoint, if you're still doing it with that mentality, then you're really doing it wrong. That this is all about performance, all about leveraging tools, other systems, things like that, like technology to say, okay, how can I multiply my efforts? How can I multiply my time? So that was really the fun part of, of working technology and working with a lot of those businesses was saying, okay, here's how you can use a simple CRM, or here's how you use uh, automation processes to really move the business forward and help you out with honestly, a lot of that drudgery stuff, especially that let's free you up to go be creative creative instead of doing all the administrative work. So do you, as you're coaching your clients, do you focus on leveraging technology? I mean, is that part of what you do? My focus has actually shifted away from technology, really from the reason that I was working with too many clients that would come to me and say, hey, I need a new CRM that, that I was out talking with my golfing buddy on the, the golf course. And he said, they use this CRM and it's great. And it's improved their sales, et cetera. So he'd come to me and say, okay, let's implement this new CRM for us. And we'd go through all the investment, all the process, all the training. And of course, then he'd come back six months later and say, it didn't work. Our sales numbers didn't increase. Like 
well, duh, you don't have a sales process. Just because you stuck a CRM on top of it, technology magnifies what's going on underneath the business. So in terms of your foundation, how do you manage your processes? How do you manage people? That can make you a lot more efficient with technology. But if you don't have the underlying foundation built, then the house on top of it's still shaky at that point. So I made the transition after a after a difficult and client engagement where I said, okay, just enough of this. Made the transition, look at that point, say, okay, how can I really help these companies instead? And made the transition or the shift more towards the business side to say, okay, let's go build those foundation, build that foundation under the business so it can grow and scale and it can better leverage technology, better leverage some of the tools that are available these days to, to be able to grow it and move it forward that way. So how does a business owner go about identifying, you mentioned processes, so they need processes and procedures, and I have a QA background, so I kind of get that, (laughs) but how does a business owner in this case, they want a CRM, but they don't have the base there, how does one go about identifying those, or how would you help them with that? Oh, to me, it's I always go back to the adage, uh, the, the 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 Bible parable of, of building a house on the rock versus building a house on the sand kind of a thing. It's the exact same house. It's the exact same business that you're building. Storms are going to come, whether it's a global pandemic that we're hopefully getting on the backside of now or economic changes, business changes, whatever. Things are going to come and hit the business. It's the question as to what's the underlying foundation. So my approach and my working with them is really looking at four different areas of looking at, okay, how do you manage people? How do you ensure you've got the right top A talent kind of a thing there? Ensure they're following your culture. What's the overall strategy of your business to say, okay, what's long-term picture? We're not dealing with just tomorrow. We're dealing with five, 10, 15 years down the road to ensure that, okay, do we have everybody working in the same direction, pulling in the same way? The execution side is really the process and and day-to-day kind of workings. Okay, how do we run anything from effective meetings to making sure that everybody's delivering our product, our service in the right way possible. And then the fourth component is just looking at the cash, the financial side to say, okay, do we really understand what's going on in the business? Do we understand which product lines are the most profitable, et cetera? And are we making decisions based upon real numbers rather than just what we wish they might be? But it's really looking at all four of those pillars and trying to bring the entire entire thing up at one time right there, lift the entire business and across all aspects. And the execution, the process side is, is definitely one that from the technology standpoint, that's that's a big one for me. I, I love processes. I love X and O's and bits and bytes kind of thing moving across there. But it's really just looking at the overall to say, okay, how can we lift the entire function of the business here? And then like your, to your point, come back and layer in technology or layer in other tools, other systems there to say, okay, how can we make process management? How can we make QA more effective, more efficient? leveraging the same amount of resources, but getting more more return, more profitability out of it. Okay. So the four areas were human capital, essentially managing people, yep. and then strategy, execution, and then financial. Correct. And yep. even within all those, there's processes, even though most people might think it's mostly in the execution phase, but there's literally processes for how you interview, how you bring somebody on board and all that. So you look at all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a complete top to bottom. And that's really a lot of times people will look at their company very vertically to say, okay, yeah, we've got a sales and marketing function. We've got an operations, we've got a financial, et cetera, but you've got to look at it from a process accountability is very horizontal to say, okay, there's a effectively one big process in your business that goes everywhere from, okay, how do we bring a customer in the front door? How do we deliver our product or service? And how do we collect money for it on the back end kind of a thing? And then you can break that down into smaller chunks to say, okay, like you said, from a, a sales perspective, what's our sales process that 
make sure our sales team's working through it. What's our, our QA process for assuring that the product's delivered out correctly? You can start breaking that down, but you've got to really look at process goes horizontally. It's not just microcosms here of, okay, look, we're going to focus just inside of our manufacturing is obviously the real easy one to say, okay, process, how are we going to manufacture our widget more efficiently? It's like, that's that's actually a small level of the overall big picture right there that we've got to be looking at completely horizontal across the entire company. Yeah, actually, I worked at Coca-Cola for many years and they had an initiative called QA 2000, obviously around 2000. And (laughs) they were they were fearful about Y2K. They wanted procedures in place just in case something happened. And of course, I might be dating myself with this. But (laughs) (laughs) one of the things that I did was not just I worked in the lab. I didn't process just the lab procedures production. I did theirs. I did warehouse. I did sales procedures. I did office procedures. So it was like everything in the company. It was very um, horizontal, just like you said, very horizontal. So also now working with a startup and a growth oriented business, can you talk to me a little bit about the differences between the leadership in those? Well, it's, it's a different beast and the reality is, even though we we'll say, hey, once you've gotten a growth, that's that's it's almost it keeps evolving there as, as the same thing. So it's it's kind of unfortunate from the entrepreneur side to say, hey, I got this figured out. It's like, well, you may have it figured out for today, but not tomorrow. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the the entrepreneur or the, the startup phase is in my mind, honestly, we, we glorify startups, but it's it's all about survival at that point is can we literally get enough customers, enough products sold before we run out of cash at that point. And it's so if you can get beyond that point to kind of start that flywheel moving and say, okay, now we're actually operating like a business. We're running. I think the the phrase I've seen before out there is labeling that as more of a boutique kind of firm that you've got still that five, seven, 10, maybe even a 15 or so person company, small firm. And the focus there is still from a leadership perspective, again, still on sales. Everything's okay. Where, where's the next sale? Where's the next customer kind of a thing there? And what people don't tend to realize is that you're basically adding complexity to that business every time you bring on, it's like, okay, we're going to be a red widget maker here. Well, this customer wants a blue one. Can we, we can do blue also, right? And then, well, wait a minute, that one wants purple. We can do purple too. And because everything's about, okay, can we sit here and make the next sale? But every time you add on that new product variation, or you bring on, for that matter, a new customer, wait a minute, they're over in Europe, now we got to figure out how to ship to Europe instead of just shipping next door kind of a thing. You're adding in all these complexities to it. And it starts hitting that mind, you start getting to that point where, okay, now we're really at that tipping point of getting more into the growth side because we keep adding on new employees, we keep growing the company, but we're not doing it very strategically. We're doing it accidentally. We're doing it just by happenstance that we have to. Hey, we, we need somebody else over here on, on fulfillment. We're getting orders backed up kind of a thing. Let's, let's go bring somebody on but you're doing it such in a haphazard manner, basically you wake up one day and say, what in the heck is this mess? This is the, I didn't create this. This is not my business. It's not what I wanted. When Reality is, yeah, you created it. But it's it's when you're not doing it from a, a strategic standpoint, and that's really the area where once you start hitting that growth scale, you've almost got to make a decision to say, okay, yeah, we've got a ton of complexity. We've got a ton of mess here. We're, we may well be profitable, but we're not hitting what we could be doing. We're not realizing our potential really here. And it's a decision at that point to say, okay, are we going to push forward? In which case you've got to go back and add in the foundation that we're talking about, adding in some of that structure, adding in the systems, the processes, the strategy and say, okay, 
we're not going to do this. We're not going to grow by accident. We're going to grow strategically. We're going to have a plan here moving forward. Or do you make this decision, which is perfectly reasonable to say, no, we're going to go back. We're going to go back and be the boutique firm. We're going to be that five to seven person firm that only does blue widgets. We're going to be the best blue widget maker ever. We're only going to do that though. We're not, if somebody comes with red widgets, sorry, that's not us kind of a thing there. So it's, it's a choice right there to make, but it's a case that in that smaller uh, boutique kind of firm, you can be a lot more, I don't know, hands off is not necessarily the right term, but still a lot more free flowing and just kind of go by the seat of your pants. Whereas once you hit that growth scale, and like I said, it, it keeps changing. Once you build the strategy to run a 20-person company, it's different than a 50-person company. It's different than a 100-person company kind of a thing there as you continue to grow. But you've got to start layering in that strategy. You've got to start actually treating it like a real company at that point, not just a fun fun business at that point. So when you talk about building a cadence, I know you and I spoke about this previously. That has to do with those growth tiers, can you give me some insight on that? Well, it really, what we look at from a cadence standpoint is it's a combination of strategy and execution both to say, okay, what is, instead of just operating for tomorrow, which is kind of what that early stage boutique of just, hey, what's the next client that shows up? We're looking at this point to say, okay, what's going to be the pinnacle of your mountain in five years, 10 years, 15 years? What's what's that one big target out there, one of the terms out there is, is used as like big, hairy, audacious goal. What, what's your just really huge thing out there? Yeah. That we're going to get behind as a company. This is what we're going to go be. We're going to be best computer manufacturer, whatever kind of a thing out there such that we can get that strategy in there. And then the cadence is bringing that strategy back to say, okay, this is where we're going to be in 15 years now. How do we bring that back down to what do we need to do in the next three to five in order to make sure we're on the right path to get there. Now, what do we need to make sure we do this year in order to get there? What do we need to make sure we do this quarter in order to get to our one-year goal kind of a thing and start bringing that back to where we can. Because if you if you go back and look at, I still work a lot with, with school kids and stuff like that. And if you remember those kind of days, you've got the paper due in three weeks. I'm not going to do a thing on that paper today. I'm not going to do any research today. I'm waiting until the night before to sit there and go do it all. And that's really what we're trying to avoid from a business perspective to say, hey, we're not going to wait until one year to realize, oh, yeah, we were supposed to do a project or an initiative to hit our one-year milestone. We need to start backing that back down all the way down to even looking at weekly meetings and even a, a daily stand-up kind of a thing typically to say, okay, how do we start building that cadence with the team such that you get almost these little weekly spikes instead of a 90-day spike or instead of a year-long spike right there of, of trying to get that effort, because that's really where you're going to get with your team. Human beings are just deadline-driven. So the closer in, the smaller intervals we can bring with that cadence to say, okay, what do you need to deliver this week? What do you need to deliver this quarter in order to meet our goals? You get a lot more consistent productivity, a lot more consistent effort going on as you go. So cadence in, in this aspect refers to setting those very long range goals, like five years, 10 years, 15 years, and then breaking it back into smaller chunks, just like you would with pretty much any other goal or KPI and just, just bring it back so that at one year, you're not trying to accomplish in one week, what you should have been doing the whole 365 days. Correct. Yep. Okay. That makes perfect sense to me. So what is the number one advice that you would give a business owner that is growing and scaling so that they don't wind up chasing their tail? 
<laughs> I'll have to do one. Um, not <laughs> we'll really, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so honestly, the biggest thing I see with entrepreneurs, and I I felt with it, dealt with it myself, kind of thing, is the idea of delegation and saying, okay, how do I take this? I was actually just talking with a business owner this morning. He was talking about, yeah, potentially looking at a a longer term sale exit of the business, and it's like, okay. Too many entrepreneurs get to that point and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to exit the business now. And it's all, the business is all them. It's, it's all still in their head, even still at a 20, 25, 30 person company. It's everything, every decision has to go through them. Every Everything goes through that one person. It's like, okay, the company itself has no value. It's, it's, it's all in your head at that point. And even from a growth perspective, basically you're strangling the company right there yourself that, okay, you, you're not empowering your team to say, okay, can they actually go make a decision? Can they make a, a, a process run or something like that? Can they address something without first bringing it to you? So the ability to, from both a, a cultural as well as a process standpoint of handing some of that stuff off to say, okay, I'm going to make sure, going back to human resources, people management, I'm going to make sure I'm really hiring the top A grade talent that fits my culture, that has the right skills, et cetera, so that I can hand this off. And then two, from my own perspective, I've got to have one, the processes and the clarity that we're talking about documented in order to hand it off so I can feel comfortable knowing that, yes, it's getting done and I don't have to micromanage it. So it's it's the combination of the two to say right people and handing that stuff off to your people. But yeah, delegating is the Honestly, the only way, if, if you don't delegate right there, you're, you're strangling the company and you, you, you cannot grow at that point. You're going to, at some point, you're going to hit the ball on the amount of time, the amount of hours, the amount of stress, et cetera, you could take. And that's, that's the end of the company right there at that point. So, so I heard you talk about delegation, but in that answer, I also heard you say documentation, even though yeah. you may not have explicitly said that, but that's absolutely true. I know uh, the very first business I owned um, one of my key managers kept telling me, yeah, but it's all in your head. So we started creating procedures because I'm like, man, I got to get this stuff out of my head. I mean, to me, it makes sense, but one day I don't want to have to do that. And I've did sell that business, but I've since creating this business, I've actually had other entrepreneurs who've reached out to me unbeknownst to me that they were trying to sell their business, but they asked us to create procedures for them. So, yeah, um, it really I, is. That's, that's the only way you get that information out, but it's, and, and the problem that I run into, and I don't know what your experience with, with processes and stuff like that, is we tend to overthink them many times. So we'll actually, we know exactly, again, being the entrepreneur type, we know exactly how we would do this process. And the problem you've got to realize or the, the challenge I run into a lot of people is like, okay, you don't want a team full of robots. You don't want a team full of just guest person, hey, I can check the box here kind of a thing. You want people in your team that are creative, that can bring value. Hopefully they're bringing skills and expertise that you don't have. So from a process development standpoint, I always work with clients to say, okay, it's almost like a, a 20, 80 rule. Document the top, the look at your process, grab the 20% of the peaks at the top of the process that, okay, as long as we do A, B, and C, this process works, we're good. I don't need to tell you from how to get to A to B. It, that's that's your creativity. I, I want you to come in and, and bring your ideas, bring you whatever's comfortable to you. I look at it like a sales process, kind of something. It's like our goal, our quota here is to bring in 10 new leads or 10 new deals. Do I care if you spend all day sitting on the phone doing cold calls or going out and doing networking events or whatever's comfortable to you as long as you get to those 10 new deals? That's what I care about. Uh, why, why am I sitting there trying to enforce you to do cold calls when you just 
hate picking up the phone. You'd much rather go meet somebody in person kind of a thing there. And that's, that's really where entrepreneurs and business owners, especially the type that is like, it's their baby. They built the company, but they struggle to say, okay, you know, somebody else could do this differently and still get the same result. They might actually get a better result kind of a thing there, but we still got to have enough structure, enough process to say, okay, we're delivering a consistent because you don't want everybody doing free for all on the, on the opposite of the same. You want a consistent delivery of your product, consistent delivery of your service, but still giving that that kind of freedom there to have your team really bring their talents and their skills to the table. That makes perfect sense. I was listening to someone the other day who described the box checkers as mules and the ones who bring the value as the magicians. Yeah, it, <laughs> awesome. it really is. And it's, it's, it's actually kind of scary sitting there working with some of the kids. It's like, okay, you can put together a set of Legos that's got an instruction booklet that's finely detailed, put this brick here, this brick there, versus the ones to me that are the ones that are going to be the most successful from a business standpoint to say, okay, yeah, you can take this random bucket of parts and create something absolutely amazing right there. But it's still, even with that concept, we've got structured Lego bricks. There, there's, there's a two by four brick. There's a two by two brick. They're not creating something from scratch that they're not dreaming it up. You still got your pieces of your puzzle there, your business, but they're, you're giving them that creativity at that point to go, Really, like I said, bring bring their expertise because honestly, hopefully, they've got more expertise in certain areas than you do as a business owner, right there. We we don't have the monopoly on every bit of knowledge, kind of a thing out there. And the more we can leverage our team at that point, honestly, the better we'll go, and the further we'll grow at that point. I agree. I love bringing on people that are smarter than me. Because yep. <laughs> I, I certainly don't know everything. <laughs> yeah. What was the statement? If you're if you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room, kind of a thing. There. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So, Jeff, how do people find you after our podcast? What's the best way for them to reach out? Well, everything through my company, all the services, everything is done through Admentus.com. It's a d m e n t u s dot com. And then we've actually got a, a new podcast we launched first this year around growing growth-oriented business leaders, just sharing stories kind of a thing. Because that's that's always one of those things, as many of the episodes as I've done so far, every single business owner has a different take on things. It's it's many of the same themes in terms of delegation and things like that, but it's still, they've all got their own story, their own experiences there. And it's I've always felt, loved hearing stories and telling stories just as a way to learn there. So definitely check that one out. That's building to scale. But yeah, you can find that through the, the website as well. Okay. At mentis.com and podcast building to scale. Thank you, Jeff, for being on our show today. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.